Welcome everyone to episode 121 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin to discuss Liverpool's 1-0 defeat at Bournemouth. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Chris, last week we were sitting here discussing the greatest victory of the season, certainly one of the greatest of the club era, one of the greatest even in the club's history. And sure enough, a week later, we're here talking about another terrible defeat, one of the worst defeats of the season um, against Bournemouth. The winning goal scored by Philip Billing in the first half. Liverpool had the penalty in the second half, but Mohamed Salah missed it. So it's a defeat, it's a blow to those top four hopes. And the emotional roller coaster that is this season for Liverpool very much continues, sort of very predictable and unpredictable at the same time, you might say. But we'll touch on the performance in more detail in a second. I want to start with just the general three-word match review, though. Um, I'm kind of your your um, headline, I suppose, from the game. Yeah, I'd say the three words is ridiculous. Last week was incredible, historic amazing whatever words whatever superlatives you want to put into it and as Jurgen Klopp pointed out in, in almost the first words of his post-match press conference it was the complete opposite down at Bournemouth um, whilst Liverpool have had a good record in Bournemouth recently I think we all remember well we all do remember the the 4-3 down there and how Liverpool kind of unraveled in that game and this was very different obviously but the same kind of way you know you sense to a confidence from Bournemouth to be able to at least break in the first half. Watara um, perhaps hasn't got the credit that he deserved at times in the Bournemouth shirt so far. He looks really lively, looks really good on the counter-attack. Philip Billing, you know, he's, he's a reliable figure for them. Um, obviously, two goals in two game weeks now. But from that point in, there's been times this season where you could just tell a goal wasn't coming. And I think the ultimate the ultimate kind of comparison to yesterday has got to be Nottingham Forest because it's almost the exact same scenario. Whereas I know Liverpool played West Ham before they played Nottingham Forest, but the week before they beat Man City, and then within a week they're losing to to the team at the bottom of the Premier League table at the time. Um, and make a bones about it, Nottingham Forest deserved to win on that afternoon. Bournemouth, I know you could say. Well, you say missed a penalty, but ultimately Bournemouth grounded out, defended well when they needed to. Neto wasn't overly tested on too many occasions. Um, and, yeah, just a, a real, real setback less than a week after a game which kind of made, made us all think that Liverpool were perhaps even front runners for the top four. The whole, The whole thing now is like, I've spent almost the whole season and a lot of us as fans have thinking, you know, are are Liverpool back every time there's a big win? I think at this stage, it's a case of Liverpool aren't going to be back till next season, probably. I mean, you can look at, you know, Thiago, Luis Diaz maybe being there in April, but the odds are there are going to be other injuries. Um before then, given Liverpool's track record, that means we don't have kind of our strongest eleven. I think I think that the reality of this season now is that Liverpool are going to be an inconsistent team, and you just have to hope that they're almost not even consistent enough, but kind of like 
not too inconsistent to get that that top four place. Um, my three red match Liverpool summed up certainly this iteration of Liverpool because there is nothing that captures this team better the whole season than doing that to Manchester United and then losing against what is uh, and you know Bournemouth. I think have actually done quite well this season, but. On paper, I think they have the weakest squad in the entire Premier League. Um, and so to follow up that United result with that um, kind of says everything, really. Um, and on the performance, I mean, I'll let, I'll let you give your take on, on, on it first, Chris, before I launch into a little bit of a rant about it, because I don't think I've been more uh, disheartened or more annoyed about any defeat this season, really. Just mind-boggling in aspects, really. When Van Dijk has one cleared off the line, um, when Robertson has a shot saved, you're thinking, okay, a goal is coming one way or another. But then when Billing scores, and there had been, especially when Wataro was through on goal, touch was a little bit wide hit in the side netting. You know, you kind of sense Liverpool go back into their shells a little bit. Um, and... I'm sure there's a stat that, uh, that, so there is a stat, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, Dave, that since Jurgen Klopp took over in 2015, Liverpool have lost more games against teams in the relegation zone than against teams in the Champions League places at the start of going into the matches, which tells its own story. I remember even going back before Jurgen Klopp to like the, the, the late 2000s, I remember those defeats against Middlesbrough when, when they got relegated, uh, defeat against Hull when they got relegated. Um, so there are history of, the, of this kind of thing happening, even going back, I remember the, the double against Blackpool, of course, that was you know, rather infamous uh, back, back in um, back in 2000 and uh, 2010-11. Um, but again, just, just Pretty so so negative. I heard Steve McManaman talking afterwards, saying about passing sideways, just so poor. Um, there was a time when Liverpool had four centre forwards on the pitch, and yet there were no real ideas being created. It was a penalty, but even then, Salah's whole the way that he took the penalty was just so poor. The way his run up, his technique it was it was such a poor penalty. It was just typical for the first Premier League penalty of the season to be missed. Um, you risk kind of going a bit hyperbolic with it, don't you? But back of last week, there was so much urgency, so much you know, passion and, and harrying around the pitch. There was just none of that yesterday, really. And it, it is a real kind of step back because even like, I know there was um, just Bessethage coming in for Henderson, but I wouldn't have made any changes. And the way I, I would have gone into it with the same team, get three up, whatever was required, and then they make changes ahead of Real Madrid. But I'm not blaming percentage at all, by the way. I'm just saying that's what I would have done. Um, and ultimately, I think we all, even as bad as Spurs have been recently, I think we all thought they'd be Nottingham Forest at home. And even now, with, with the game in hand still, it makes, even now, more than a month and a half before, and it makes that game against Spurs at Anfield at the end of April, it makes that a massive encounter, even with all the games to come before then, really. So, in... In before four-game run of Real City, Chelsea and Arsenal, not the best performance to be putting in, really. Yeah, I mean, to start with the midfield, I think they were saying on the BT coverage that Henderson had some sort of illness or something. Um, so, obviously, that has, has factored in. But, 
I don't know. I looked at that midfield at times, and I thought they they did get a little bit bullied on a couple of occasions, and um, just just in a physical sense, and that's maybe going to happen when you've got you know Elliot, who's obviously quite slight, and and Bicetis being a teenager in there as well. Um, and I mean, let me start. Let, let me start with the the first period of the game where I thought, like you said, Liverpool were actually playing quite well, and they were creating chances look very dangerous. They look like they had like a, a pattern, a, a plan to unlock Bournemouth that was working. And then Bournemouth score, I think, just after the half hour or just before, and everything, everything falls apart, really. I mean, the response to conceding was absolutely dreadful. Liverpool were so rattled by that goal. Um, they completely lost any composure all that stuff going forward that they had been doing right. I mean, it wasn't as if they were just sort of shaky at the back after that. They just forgot how to attack, it felt like. Honestly, it, it was so frustrating. And you get to half time and you're like, okay, there's been enough in that first 20 minutes or so to think, okay, we can get back into this as long as we just kind of resettle at half time. And honestly, you know, maybe aside from a couple of minutes right at the start of the half, I mean, there's this spell where I think, I'm trying to remember, Fabinho passed the ball straight out of play, aiming for Alexander-Arnold. Then, not long after that, Liverpool won a throw-in. Trent throws it straight to a Bournemouth player. On the other side of the pitch, Robertson throws it to Bicetic, but throw, he's, he's kind of right next to him, so Bicetic just has to lump it out. And then you have Robertson running down the wing. Nunez runs offside. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the really Nunez offside was a really... In, that, 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 that was my first reaction at times for that one incident in particular. I know the other, ones, the other ones you mentioned, but Nunez, you, uh, what like Sunday league? You would be annoyed if you were offside in that scenario because you're looking right across yeah, the exactly. line. Footballer playing at the highest level who's just got incredibly rave reviews and rightly so for an incredible performance last weekend. You can't be offside in that scenario, and the, the camera kind of panned to Klopp after that, didn't it? Yeah, and he was like, "How, how?" Um, and I know it was Nunez's best afternoon, but that that just kind of summed up um, his, his performance, really. And, and that sequence—I mean, all those four things that I just mentioned—all happened within the space of about two minutes within the game. And you talk about knowing that Liverpool aren't going to score. You talk about moments that sum up a game. I mean, I mean that just kind of captured everything, really. Um, and the second half—I mean, I know we had the penalty, um, which again I thought Salah tried to be. It's one of them, you know, he put it in the top corner, like amazing penalty, but I think you've got to keep things a little bit more simple in those circumstances. Um, I think he he scored one like that against Arsenal a couple of years ago. I think it was 2019-20, like very early on in the season, kind of putting it in the top corner. But as well, I, I only you know, I saw the quote for this after Salah had taken the penalty where he said to Gerrard um, that Milner two years ago had given Salah full penalty responsibilities. But in that kind of scenario, does it raise the question about James Milner still being Liverpool's best penalty taker? And I know Salah's been very reliable, but does it raise that question now? It's a, it, I think it's one of them. It's like it's almost not going to come down to who's got the better record. It's going to come down to who's kind of the, the bigger player in that scenario. And that's why you sort of defer to Salah not necessarily saying that's the right thing I mean that's just how it's going to work in practice um, and Salah to be fair now has missed um, he missed one against Leicester last season um, yeah. in the game that we lost he missed one against AC Milan so I think kind of maybe I don't have the exact figure but 
um, to miss kind of three out of your last kind of five, six, seven, eight penalties, whatever it is, um, is a little bit of a rut in that department. I think, and obviously, I think there was the one in the AFCON um, final as well. So maybe not kind of as reliable as it used to be from the penalty spot. And not hitting the target either. Yeah. Because I mean, with, with James Milner, when you talk about penalties with James Milner, you think of Leicester, don't you? You think of Leicester Anfield, 94th minute, massive game, so early on in the season, and the coolest man inside Anfield slots yeah. it away with not even a bead of sweat coming from his head. And it just kind of, as I say, I know it's only one penalty, but as you have mentioned as well, there are previous in the not too distant past as well. So it does start to raise that question a little bit. Um, because I think it'd be, it'd be as you well, scored one against Rangers. Um, I'm trying to think if, if there was another penalty that might have been Salah's last penalty. I'm trying to think off the top of my head whether there was another, whether there was a penalty in a different competition. Hmm. Uh, I can look or, it up now actually. Yeah. Um, because there was definitely one against Rangers. So this yeah. season he's had Rangers one. He had one in the Community Shield yeah. as well. Scored um, scored one in a friendly for Egypt, and then last season. Uh, Brighton away, um, a couple against Leeds at home in, in the 6-0 win, um, the 1-0 win against Aston Villa at Anfield. Um, and yeah, so, so the 1-0 the win against Villa was just before the um, the game against Leicester. So, yeah, I mean, he scored. I think it's it's probably something like missed. Um, if we look at the, the one with Leicester. Yeah, it's probably like... I mean, you can't really count a penalty to use that one. But, yeah, it is a little bit of a rut, basically. Um, but in terms of penalty taken, like, I'm not maybe as confident. I think I used to say it as automatic. Maybe now with yeah. a few of those misses, it's a little bit less so. But, I mean, just to wrap up on the performance, I mean, to create so little in that second half, I mean, one of the cruelest things about that game was the only shot on target that we had in the second half wasn't the penalty. It, it was that kind of shot to one which was saved easily enough. Um, and yeah, it was uh, the attempts to break down a low block were just... There was no kind of strategy there for Liverpool. It was just trying to... They needed the break of the ball, basically. They, need, they needed what they got a few times against Man United last week, I think, to uh, if they were going to score because it looked like they were going to be able to break them down organically at all. Always worse as well, isn't it, when... A penalty misses the target, but the keepers died the other way. <laughs> yeah. always, always. But just on the last thing on that, going into Real as well, in the league, Klopp said afterwards as well, home form has been top four, away form is not even Europe. Yeah. Three wins out of 13 away from Anfield in the Premier League this season. It's just, it, it's, it, it tells its own story really, doesn't it? Absolutely. And um, I think it's actually worse than that. I don't know. I don't even think it's just like not even Europe. I think it's bottom half. To be fair, oh yeah, maybe, maybe lower mid table form. Um, so if you if we don't get top four, that's probably going to be the main thing that a lot of people look back on, especially like you say with the home form being quite good. I want to talk about the players' attitude. We're going to move on to Real Madrid in a little bit. Um, but last thing on the attitude, Trent said after the game, Chris, that he thinks that Bournemouth might have wanted it more. I mean, we've been talking all season about whether there's something wrong with the team's attitude. It struck me to hear him say that. I mean, what what did you think of of the team of the team's attitude yesterday? It always irks me. To be honest with you, when I hear a Premier League footballer not wanting it or another team wanting it more, because the amount of people that would do anything 
to be in that kind of scenario, playing for Liverpool Football Club, playing for any football club in the Premier League, but nevertheless playing for a club as big as Liverpool, and hearing another team want it more. It, I don't, I don't go along with that. I, I, I think it's quite a poor narrative, really. Um, for example, um, I heard Alex Awobi talking recently about how they're, they're, they're running more, they're, they're more aggressive under Sean Dyche. And I think, obviously, Everton have been a lot better under Sean Dyche than, than Frank Lampard, certainly at Goodison Park. But is that not like a requirement? Like, one of the first things you're taught to, to give your all and go for it and, and be aggressive in those kind of scenarios. So it doesn't really sit well with me that, to be honest. Um, especially given that when you've got Spurs playing Nottingham Forest, who, who before yesterday had only scored three away goals all season in the Premier League, thinking Spurs will probably win that game. Does that not give you more incentive to go and win at Bournemouth? So, yeah, it, it, it's not a narrative that I don't even respect it, to be honest. Because I don't think it's right to be saying that another team wants it more. Not in the Premier League. Not at the very, very elite level of the game. I I don't. It doesn't go well with me, that. Yeah, I think you almost say it, thinking that it's kind of a brave admission. But I think it just makes you think, well, why? You know, it's all well and good saying that now. You, you, you talk after the game against Man United about how we need to put this, we need to kind of enjoy it tonight, put it behind us, focus on Bournemouth. But, I mean, you look at kind of, I think that was the third time this season we'd lost the team. We started the day 20th or something, which is a bit skewed from the fact that one of those games was Man United. Um, but the, <laughs> the general, I mean, you mentioned earlier, the general form against the team, teams in the relegation zone, teams in the relegation battle has been really poor, like not just this season, but especially yeah. this season, to be fair. Yeah. Um, Forest leads Bournemouth. Wolves as well. We're in there. Wolves. Um, so again, if, if, draw, drew, only Drew at Goodison as well, but you know, a derby yeah, is at, the difference. At the time, um, of course, nil nil against Palace, who are really struggling at the Getting moment. No target it, yeah. in three games. Yeah, um, I'm sure if I looked at the table as well, I'd be able to pinpoint other ones as well. West yeah. Ham were perhaps unfortunate enough to get a result at Anfield as well True. earlier on in the season. So the the the, the Form and the performances against teams at the bottom half of the table this season. It's been quite eye-opening in yeah. many respects. And and Leicester in there as well. And we only of we course, were very lucky yeah. to beat them at Anfield. So you would do wonder if complacency is coming into it. Here's a stat on that actually that I, I found yesterday. Um we're on 1.9 points per game against the big six this season. Against the rest of the league, it's 1.6, which is baffling, to be fair. And I, I think there is a bit of a trend of the team only kind of performing, let's say, um, on those biggest occasions. And if you're not going to kind of, uh, if you're not going to deliver in the other games, yeah. then unfortunately you're not going to be where you want to be at the end of the season because just from the mathematics of it, you're only going to play, what, 10 games against the big six over a season. You've got 28 against the rest and, and that kind of points per game rate is not going to get you top four at all. And the other thing I want to say on attitude, we can't come back anymore. We've gone behind, I think that was the 13th time this season. Um, I think it's two wins, three draws um, from that and eight losses. So if you look at the actual points from losing positions table, it looks all right. I think Liverpool are doing okay in that. 
but that's only because they've been in losing positions so much. And like, you look at some of the teams we've, I think we came back against Leicester since then. We've gone one nil down against Brentford, Brighton, Wolves, and Bournemouth. And Brentford and Brighton are having good seasons, but you should be able, you should. It's fair enough to expect Liverpool to come back in in all of those games. Um, to be fair, and they've lost every single one. Um, I mean, how many of them have they even scored? And is it just um just Brentford, Brentford. They actually scored against yeah. the rest? Yeah, the rest they didn't yeah. even manage to get a goal. And you know, we're talking about a team who used to make comebacks kind of the heart of their like identity almost, and and now you just don't have any faith in them to do that. Um, and of all the teams as well, it's Bournemouth who obviously we saw what happened with Arsenal. The three two, but they've dropped seventeen points from from winning positions, which is the second most in the Premier League. Um, I think Leicester are first with nineteen. I think they, they, there's some. I think there were three games this year where they've been two up and haven't won. Exactly. I think there was one so, one with um, Spurs, maybe at yeah, uh, Spurs. Spurs with the vitality. Yeah. Yeah. So, if there was one team where you could break that break that curse, whatever you want to call it, it, it should have been Bournemouth. But it says a lot that Liverpool weren't able to produce that, and I just think you know. Yeah. The attempt, the attempts in that second, there, there was no kind of self belief at all. You know, you think that confidence is going to be at the all time high this season after Man United, but that was a team in the second half that sometimes you watch a team. You know, if that was Man City or Arsenal one nil down in that game, you're going to be looking at them and they're going to look like they think they've got it under control. Liverpool didn't; it was frenetic, and they just didn't look like they had the attitude of an elite side just kind of just watching them just the, the the very essence of it to be honest and the reality is i think you can't trust this team anymore N- not liverpool this season you can't trust them to get a result in in any game to be honest um which is a a marked change from what's come before but um i want to move on to real now but was there anything like a final word on bournemouth you wanted to add there chris just you know how many times have we seen i asked because going into the game as well Maybe this was tempting fate. But I was having a discussion with a mate beforehand and he just said he wondered what the biggest aggregate results in Premier League history would be, obviously after the 9-0. Yeah, um, we haven't even mentioned August. that. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned so, yeah. that we beat them 9-0. <laughs> um, United beat Ipswich 9-0. Through the game that season 2-1. I had a look when um, Leicester beat Southampton 9-0 as well. And I... Uh, and Southampton then won at the King Power 2-1, I think, about a month later or something, a month or two later. Um, so, there's a famous one back in, uh, um, back in the 90s. Uh, back in the 90s, wasn't there, when Liverpool beat Palace 9-0, only to then be beaten 4-3 in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, so, we've seen these kind of things happen before, but again, there were just so many factors, as we pointed out, uh, for yesterday. And, uh, Plenty to think of as well, given that as well, with the Fulham game being postponed due to their progress in the FA Cup, it's a long wait until the next league game as well, which uh, is far from ideal. Definitely. Um, got to sit in this one for a while. But yeah, Real Madrid next, um, Wednesday night for that one. Um, scale of 1 to 100, what, <laughs> what, chance, what chance do you give Liverpool of turning this one around? One being... One, one being... Absolutely no chance. A hundred being, we're about to do the best results in Champions League history. Minus twenty. <laughs> <Minus 10. laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, after the United game, social media, of course, it's all happy, and right, rightly so, rightly so. 
and including even myself, that kind of thought possibility just does come into it where you're yeah. like, you know, get, get a group in a Bournemouth and all of a sudden the conferences flow in, go to Real, just see what happens, just see what happens. And Real, since that game, I know they won 3-1 against Espanyol yesterday, but they lost to Barca, they'd drawn against 10-man Atletico Madrid. So they had, they'd hardly been themselves, I think, they'd hardly been free-flowing apart from the game at Anfield, to be honest with you, kind of around this entire period. But I don't know the last time Real lost by three goals in the Bernabeu. Um, and if this Liverpool, if this Liverpool team does that, does go to the Bernabeu and wins by at least three goals, of course, because three takes extra time, four sends Liverpool through without extra time. If this Liverpool team achieve that, that could potentially eclipse Barcelona. Just in terms yeah. of the magnitude of the result, that Barcelona, Barcelona's Anfield's greatest ever night. I, I, I do genuinely believe that. But winning four nil at the most successful club in Champions League history, European Cup history, that would just be utterly astounding. Yeah. And ultimately, I think it is the whole. You know, nobody's surely nobody's expecting Liverpool to go through on Wednesday night. So just go there. Happens. Is that the attitude that we've got to take? Well, a first off scale of one to one hundred, I think I'll probably, I'll probably say about five. To be fair, um, maybe that's even a little bit optimistic. It's, it, it's it's one of them where like you just you just can't see. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like any. There's no logical part of me at all that that, that thinks it could happen. Um, you just need a little bit of a kind of freak game, I think. Um. We talked about, after the first leg and what happened there, we talked about what mindset Liverpool should have. I want to talk now about how you, what would kind of your game plan be? Because there was, um, obviously Chelsea won won there last season. They they went 3-0 up, which is what they've yeah, through. They weren't able to see it through. After I said that. <laughs> um, and, you know, in terms of what they did, I looked into it after after the first leg. And and the key things that Tuchel was saying afterwards were you've got to be brave, and I think that applies to Liverpool. I mean, Chelsea were going in with a uh, a deficit from the first leg. I think did they lose three one at Stamford Bridge in the first leg because I think yeah, the Benco, yeah, the brilliant header. Yeah, Real Real lost three one in normal time in the second, and that's why it went to extra time. I think, um, and then it ended up being three two to Chelsea on the night. I think, but um, so you need to be brave. Obviously, there's there's no room for kind of being over cautious. But you also need to make sure you cut out any mistakes. And the first leg was a story of Liverpool making a lot of those. So it's got to be kind of error free. You've got to be you've got to be clinical as well, because you might get the chances to score to score four goals. You're not going to get four XG realistically, but you might get kind of four openings and you're gonna to have to take each one. And I think the the big thing, and I've said it previously, is you need luck. You know, I think there was a couple of things that went against Chelsea in that game. You need you might need some questionable refereeing decisions. You know, you're going to need Real to waste a few opportunities. You're going to need things to fall your way in a, in a major way. And, um, I mean, look, Liverpool, the, 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 the main thing for Liverpool is just take it 100% seriously. Do not, like, go into this game. Don't give up at any points, because if this team give up, then it's going to be a Bruce Lackrigate scoreline. And, you know, you talked about it there. Then we're going to be sitting in this for weeks. At least 
salvage a bit of pride out of it, try and get a, a you know a draw on the night or try and get like a one goal win on the night or something, and then you can use that feeling. Then you know if if we if we go to the Bernabeu on Wednesday and win two one or something, then yeah, you're gonna be it's gonna be demoralizing to go out the competition. But you're like you know what we've gone there, and granted Real have probably not been like their approaches isn't gonna be you're not gonna be that aggressive really in the circumstances, but you're going to say, you know what, that is a really good win and there's stuff to build on there. And you can go into the the break that we've got coming up um, feeling generally optimistic. But if, you know, Liverpool just throw the towel in, if they go 1-0 down and they end up losing, like, by three or four, um, and it's kind of one of those aggregate scores that kind of you can't even bear looking at, then there's no, I mean, what's the point? At least, you know, at least have that kind of professional pride. That That's the minimum requirement. You can't expect that. It's like you said, you can't expect anything beyond just give maximum effort you know yeah mentally and physically and then and, and just see what happens and and if, if what happens is only kind of isn't good enough but it is still a reasonable result in its own right then you know what fair enough the damage is is probably already done um so what i want to know what you think in terms of how Klopp should kind of game plan things and and also what changes you, you'd make to the lineup that we saw at bournemouth I think there's a lot of what you've said there where you hit the nail on the head and smashed into the woodwork, to be honest, because it's the whole attitude of biggest regrets in life are maybe the chances that you don't take. And if Liverpool go to the Bernabeu and don't try to score, then we'll never know. And I don't think there's a threat of them not trying to score, but at least, you know, putting that effort in. And ultimately, as you quite rightly said, Cutting out the mistakes because Liverpool had cut out the mistakes at Anfield. We don't, you know, we don't know what kind of scoreline we'd be going into. You know, Liverpool would, Liverpool would probably have been two one up at half time, and the second half could have been totally different, totally different. Of course, then it just got away from Anfield, uh, got away from Liverpool in, in the first leg. So, looking at the team, I think the frustrating part about this is that the defense has to pick itself. Because I think that the start, the the, the defense, the start against Bournemouth has to be the defense of the start against yeah. Real Madrid. And just to say on that, Terry since up, but we've oh, not really acknowledged that Van Dijk was really poor yesterday. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Y- yeah, it kind of has to be said, you know, for, the, for yeah. that goal especially. Well, yeah, because again, we're on that run of fifty odd games of not being dribbled past. But Watara is a young lad. He's just been introduced to the Premier League after a move from from uh, Ligue 1. And the way he skipped past Van Dijk, <laughs> it's like Van Dijk was being skipped past people for years. Um, really couldn't cope with him. Um, and then when you've got someone called Vinicius Junior uh, lying in wait, then that's not the most exciting prospect in the world, shall we say? Um, but the defense has to pick itself. Um, more and more calls for a real right back option maybe in in the summer um i i do look i think what we saw of calvin ramsey i like but again we can't see enough of calvin ramsey when he's injured and i don't know whether his body because he talked about it, didn't he i don't know whether his body was kind of a bit of shocked with the intensity of moving down from scotland and with the injuries that followed but um again that, that that's a discussion um when it when it comes to it for now for now alexander Arnold has to go into that position Unless you fancy James Miller right back against Vinicius, although he always puts in a good showing. Um, in terms of the midfield, 
It is a tough one because, again, if you talk about polar opposites and sublime to the ridiculous, Fabinho put in his best performance of the season against Manchester United. And yesterday just reverted yeah. straight back to what we've seen from this season, which is just a real, shocking real yesterday, yeah. decline in quality from, for me, a man who is the best defensive midfielder at the, in the, at the top level of the game for a year or two. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I think Henderson has to come back in for, for calm heads, as you said, for, with regard to illness, fair play. But he should come back in with regard to just, just keeping that concentration, keeping that um, that, that focus. Um, and the third midfield option, look, maybe Harvey Elliott for that little bit more creativity. And I think that's probably what he will end up going with, with Thiago obviously not being available. And that is a big blow. And as for the front three, um, this it's a tough one because I would I, I obviously keep Salah, I'd keep Nunez on the left because Nunez, in that first 20 minutes against Real, he did what we wanted him to do caused havoc and yeah. I think he, he he would be the one that causes the most problems to Rudiger to Militao to Carvajal <laughs> every time by the way I, I know what he's achieved in the game I've never thought Carvajal was the top 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 level of right back yeah. out there but every time he's played against Liverpool he's been incredible yeah so you know, for, you know and he's obviously a multiple Champions League winner as well but I think Nunez will cause him the most problems and I suppose it's that third option isn't it because I, I like what Gakpo offers in terms of holding the ball up being able to drive um, uh, as much as I'm a fan of him we, we can't ignore how what kind of barren run that he's on look if, if the header had gone in yesterday instead of hitting Adam Smith's arm maybe it's a different story Yeah, well, obviously it would have been a different story because it would have been 1-1 <laughs> um, but um Again, what kind of role he's got to play? I know there's interest perhaps from Newcastle, but I, I do think it would take a big offer for him to leave Liverpool. But just in terms of what role he's got to play, it's interesting. And is this perhaps a game for Roberto Firmino? Uh, really? So I, I, I think this is... I think that the, the central role of the front three is the biggest discussion point going to the Bernabeu. Um, but ultimately, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going into the game with the mantra of what happens go there see what happens if Liverpool go through incredible if they don't it's full focus on the top four yeah that's the thing and, and that's why it's crucial to get the um get get a respectable result out of it because like you say you, you are gonna have to sit in this until I think the first of April is Liverpool's next game after this with the full on one uh being postponed away to City so. Exactly, uh, but to be fair, based on that big six start earlier, maybe maybe you should be yeah. confident for it. But yeah, thanks very much, uh, Chris, for jumping on. That's going to wrap up uh, this episode of Red Zone Restricted. Um, so now now for all the um the really exciting uh, plug plugging bits. So if you're listening on Spotify, uh, please give us a five star review. Apple Podcasts, um, I think it, you can just like sort of leave a available reviews, which would be uh, really appreciated. Um, and yeah, subscribe to the podcast, press the notification button, then it'll appear in your feed. You'll get um, an alert every time we release a new episode. YouTube-wise, similar story. Uh, please like like the videos, comments on them, um, and subscribe to the channel as well. We'd really appreciate it if you're enjoying the podcast. And yeah, we've got an email address now, which is redzonerestrictedpodcast.gmail.com. So any sorts of comments or questions about the podcast or things you want us to answer during our episodes, just send them to there. But yeah. We'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday after the uh, Real Madrid game 
to talk about how Liverpool won 4-0 at the Bernabeu. So yeah, until then, um, have a good week and take care.